Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 443 of Longbox Heroes. Joe and Todd here with you. Todd, how you doing today? I am full of energy, Joe. All right, good. I'm glad you got it all out of your system before. That's right. So we could both peter out in the quarter in the the last quarter hour of the show. <laughs> I don't know. I have some Spectrox on hand, so. All right, fantastic. I was gonna uh, mention here. Not only is it two weeks in a row of me starting off the show for reasons, of course. Uh, mostly because I screwed up last week and we're trying to right the ship, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was going to say something else about you. Oh, I'm attempting to make a concerted effort not to say, how are you doing tonight? Right. To say, how are you doing today? As though I don't want people to know that we're recording this at night. Kayfabe. Like that means uh, anything. Right. I usually just go, how you doing? Right. There you go. But we actually have a busy week of show, uh, of stuff to talk about. Jam-packed, if you will. That's right. We have a ton of news, uh, both from Marvel and DC. A lot of stuff spinning out of uh, C2E2 this past week. And, uh, of course, a news story that will never, ever, ever go away. <laughs> and the, f- the ink on the contract is dried in the... Disney Fox purchase merger, what have you. We'll talk a little bit about that, of course, and what that means to the future, I guess, of a lot of our favorite properties. Yes. You know what that means, Joe? What does that mean, Todd? That finally, the Doc has come back to Marvel. Yes. What do you think of that, Joe? Fire your writers, Todd. That... It doesn't matter what you think, Joe. (laughs) You're welcome. You're welcome. All right. You mentioned Spectrox and you did an impersonation of The Rock. Two unrelated things. (laughs) Completely unrelated. Uh, Conventions this weekend, and a special uh, note about one of the conventions this weekend, a boatload of digital sales and freebies. What we read this past week, which is Criminal Number 3 and Thor Number 11. What we're looking forward to coming out this week, Todd's Art Attack, uh, TV Talk with The Flash, and uh, a big returning announcement for next week's TV Talk. What could it be? It's it's an announcement so big, Todd, you'll flip your wig. (laughs) Oh my goodness! So, uh, again, so the Fox and uh, Marvel merger came through. And, fine, you know, it was one of those things where it was talked about, talked about for months and months and months. I was kind of the uh, under the impression of, well, listen, things can happen until it's official and the ink is dry and all that sort of jazz. And I think just this past Wednesday, the ink was dry. So it's official. Disney is one step closer to owning everything. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I, as long as it ends up with them purchasing World Wrestling Entertainment and we get the World Wrestling Entertainment Land at Disney World or Disneyland or wherever it is <laughs> and I could go there and see people in giant mascot costumes of the Macho Man and John Cena and uh, let's pick a random guy the Red Rooster let's say I'll be a happy person you want me to become a yeah. Disney person do a WWE Parks 
Oh my goodness, Vince's office is arrived. Oh my goodness. <laughs> right. I I don't even know there's a show that exists that I could say the jokes that I have in my head about that. Right. But I'm with you. I was of the mind that I'm not saying anything. I will not believe it until the ink is dried. And, you know, and it can't like midnight came and went with little to no fanfare, like um, because everybody had accepted that it was a done deal. And like you, like me, I, there was many times that I've heard that, you know, the FF, X-Men, all that stuff was going back. And then. It didn't. It was flipped. The stories were lies. And I'm like, I'm waiting until midnight of that Tuesday into Wednesday until it happens. But I am, I'm, I'm, I'm actually glad. Um, because of that, I started buying some, uh, some books that I wanted to get because I was worried that the merger, you know, might kick, kickstart some, you know, interest in these books. And honestly, you know, I, I'm a Dr. Doom fan. I'm not a speculator, but I don't want to pay a lot of money for the few key books that I wanted to get again. So I ended up picking up an annual, uh, FF annual two from 1964, which has Dr. Doom's full origin in it, which is the first time his origin is ever told. So I was like, I have to get me a copy of that. Right. I think you had it at the shop when I saw you last week. Mm hmm. And uh, it looks nice for a book that old, you know? Yes, it does. I'm I'm happy. I'm happy with the show, so. So I would say that the biggest acquisition of all of this, you know, X-Men notwithstanding, is the Fantastic Four. Because I think the Fantastic Four uh, can and will fit more seamlessly into the existing Marvel Cinematic Universe. I do, too. I think... It's going to be interesting because, like, we I was discussing with somebody else, and it's like, well, how do you do it? Do you have to soft reboot for for the mutants? Like, ha- they just never been around, or they're all just popping up now? Blah blah blah. With the Fantastic Four, you're like, yeah, well, we got our powers, you know, from from whatever they're gonna, you know, the space flight, however they're gonna do it, and they fight Doctor Doom, Galactic. Like, it just it's a lot easier to 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 pigeonhole four characters in there than it is like how all these like a whole like different. Uh, g- uh, subspecies of human, you know what I mean? Like now, homo uh, uh, superior, you know? So I, I just look at it, it's going to be way easier to do it with the FF. Right, and that's my mindset as well, and it's more so, yes, of course, it's less people or characters that are in big, prominent positions. I know you say four, and I was going to jokingly say, well, it's really five, because you got to include Dr. Doom in that. Well, I guess six, because you got to include Galactus. And if you have Galactus, you got to have the Silver Surfer. And then I guess you gotta have the kids too. And now we're up to ten people, you know what I mean? And then like, the number would just keep going up. But obviously we get to that point, there's like ten, like an argument can be made, there's ten essentials that need to be brought over for the Fantastic Four. Like, you could name ten people off your, the top of your head from the X-Men side of things, and you've just scratched the surface of what would be considered as the quote-unquote essentials of that part of it. And that's primarily because the Fantastic Four has had Four movies, because I'm counting the Roger Corman one, um, and for the most part, they've all been terrible, where the X-Men have just themselves have had, like, what, 15 movies? Yeah, if you start counting, like, the side one-offs and everything. And right, right, and then the reboot and the first class and then the merger. Deadpools, right. like, yeah. So there's way more moving pieces that are already moving that you need to now integrate into this other machine whereas the fantastic four is four machines that didn't work that we just have all these pieces left over that we could just add like 
you know, the cup holder essentially onto the moving <laughs> juggernaut that is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And that little fancy cup holder is the Fantastic Four. Right. And we, now, Joe, maybe we can do an Annihilation uh, series of movies. Well, which would be oh, you get the you, well, that you could do it all. You could have your cosmic offshoot with the annihilation stuff. You could do your ground level stuff when you fold in your uh, Netflix street level folks, and then you get mm-hmm. a whole series of movies with that. There's a lot of possibilities going forward with all of this. So that means Marvel will have a superhero movie a week during the next couple of years. It certainly feels like that. It was actually brought to my attention that some company is doing a gimmick where uh, you submit a written proposal as why you should be chosen to do this and then you have to watch all the 23 marvel movies in a row Mm -hmm. and live tweet about it with their special hashtag and if you if you are chosen and you complete the task like they give you like two grand or something how long do you have to do it you have to however long 23 movies in a row is oh so you have to do the 23 movies without sleep yes Hmm, Spectrox a little older, and off we go, Joe. Oh, oh boy. Um, it's CableTV.com that's doing it, if you want to look into it yourself. And I said 23, 20. Uh, oh, then that's a piece of cake. Right. In uh, the, the 20 movies in order, uh, up to and including Ant-Man and Wasp. I could do that. Right, it's the it's the main one. So it's it's like you get two grand, and then you get... Um, a bunch, oh, I'm sorry, you get a grand, I'm sorry, and a bunch of prizes. Ooh. Uh, you get, like, uh, you get the box sets of all the DVDs on Blu-ray, and then whatever's not in the box set, you get those on Blu-ray. Uh, you get a Captain America popcorn popper. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you get a Thanos Infinity Gauntlet mug, an Iron Man, uh, Snuggie. And then it says a Grubhub gift card, and then more Marvel gear than you could shake a giant green fist at. I think they should call the Iron Man huggy, like, a Starkey. Starkey? Yes. No, that's Richard Starkey you're thinking of. Oh, okay. Um, But yeah, so it's the 20 movies. Again, that's something a little bit too daunting for me. Uh, As much as I would like to have $1,000, I'd like to have sleep more. And I don't get a lot of that. And I don't get a lot of $1,000 either, but... Yeah, well, I look at it as there's a lot of things we could do to make $1,000 that don't involve, uh, you know, 40-some hours of, of watching movies. Right. So, uh, cable CableTV.com, they have it up there. Go check it out if that's something that you think might interest you. Not a sponsor of the show, but I don't know. Maybe if one of our listeners does it, you throw our thing in there when you're hashtagging it out as well. I don't know. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Right. Uh, so let's start with the DC news because we got a we went to a high and now we got to go, go to a low and then we get to go back up to a high. It's like a concert. You got to bring the people in, up, down, all around. Right. So one of the things that we have been discussing that DC has been doing is the cancellations of the solicitations of a bunch of the trades and absolutes and hardcovers and all that sort of stuff. So one of the one of the books uh, that we had discussed that was canceled, which was a Doom Patrol omnibus and a reprint of Batman White Knight, which was going to be like the first of the Black Label books retroactively refit. So those were canceled, but now those same solicitations have been reinstated. 
It's not like they put new solicitations out for them. It's just like, oh, yeah, this thing that was canceled, now it's not canceled anymore. Like the way they did my uh, Swamp Thing not my, that I'm getting, the Alan Moore Swamp Thing Absolute. It was like, oh, it's gone. Now it's back. Like, I don't know. I don't understand. Right. So with all this con- confusion and miscommunication uh, regarding all of this, the official statement uh, from Dan DiDio came out. And, of course, he signs his social media posts, not unlike the Hulkster with HH at the end, with <laughs> DD at the end. Um, he just put out a thing, and I'll read it here. It says, To the fans of our Silver and Bronze Ace comics, worried about the changes in our collected editions program, want to take a moment to set aside any of your concerns while we are delaying, not canceling, a couple of our omnibuses. This decision was made uh, to make way for even more books highlighting stories, series uh, from these moments in time. Uh, comics never collected in color or ever before. We'll see print first in smaller volumes before being collected if demand dictates in omnibus or larger forms this will allow us to open a wider array of books and themes uh for collections we have so much great material we're committed to collecting it all in the best formats possible um and we want to make sure that all of our collections get the attention they deserve so again that's just essentially a fancy way of saying all the stuff that we should have in print, we're going to put in print first before we do 19 more editions of Batman Year One. Sorry, who needs another edition of Batman Year One? Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, if this is true, you know, sometimes there's subterfuge and, you know, these announcements. But if that's it, I like that. I like the fact that I could, we could, as we've discussed on the show before, we could still get uh, certain copies of certain things on Amazon and they're doing new printings. It's like, why? Like, um, yeah, like, I'm just going to say, like, as a fa- I don't know if you know this, I'm a fan of Jonah Hex. I would like a Jonah Hex omnibus. They've never done one. They've only really reprinted his early stuff in those black and white showcases editions. That'd be, that'd be something I want. It's never been done before. And I think that'd be cool. Like, they've been doing the Swamp Thing stuff, like the early Bernie Wrights and Swamp, one Ween Bernie Strike Wrights and stuff. Um, Justice League Detroit in a, in an omnibus. Stuff like that, that people will probably buy. They said they're going to keep the print runs, like, you know, lower than, because obviously you're not doing Justice League Detroit in the same way you do, you know, <laughs> Batman Year One or Hush or whatever. But, you know, it gives people options and see what sells. You know, if it sells, you make more of it. It, I don't know. It, it's almost like comics have become a business show. Oh, Todd, you. Mm-hmm. I, I'd explain that to someone the other day. <laughs> I'm glad you did. Oh, boy. Uh, so, Todd, do you know what time is? Is it uh, Doomsday Clock time? I was going to say, do you have a clock that you can look at to see what time it is? Mm-hmm. And uh, you could set your watch to the lateness because guess what's been delayed again, Todd? Is it Doomsday Clock? Like Do- Doomsday Clockwork. Do- like Doomsday Clockwork, Doomsday Clock 10 has been delayed yet again. Uh, it is now a full month behind its original scheduled date. That's probably the last time. Right. Well, maybe the last time for that, but at the very least, it's gonna. I'm going to guess it's going to push number 11 back, and not to sound like a broken record, or maybe a broken clock in this instance, Todd likes to think that all these, book, these books were done. They were in the can. They were I ready to go. I didn't say all of them. I said 10, uh, most of 10 might be done. Most I didn't 10. say 11 and 12 were done. <laughs> I like how you said that you think that they're done, to now it's most of ten might be done. <laughs> it's obviously go. not. <laughs> I'm telling you, I didn't say 11 and 12 were definitely done. I don't remember saying that. Mm-hmm. 
there's tape of it, but tape. I don't tape. We well tape. Yeah, I send them to you on cassette. <laughs> Good gravy. Uh, but yes, I I have a sinking su- suspicion that this will be a story that we'll revisit again next week. You don't know. I get the I get the I get it early because yeah, you, you know, do get those... the stooge report like two hours before. <laughs> From and I had it last. Uh, this time I ended up sending to you that it got stooged off to me, and I had it the week before, but I forgot somebody came in and I forgot to text you. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, uh, you know, when this comes out, if I hear any word um, from a certain crazy bass player, then I'll let you know. Right. Uh, so some of the other, there was a bunch of new stuff, a bunch of new books that Marvel announced at C2E2. They announced a big X-Men thing uh, that Jonathan Hickman's going to be doing. Um, new Valkyrie book that's going to be co-written by Jason Aaron. But for me... The two big uh, announcements that came out from Marvel at C2E2 this past weekend. One is that they're going to be doing a History of the Marvel Universe Revealed book, which is going to be written by Mark Wade, And I think he's just going to do it from memory. Right. Um, a lot of artists, uh, was it Javier Rodriguez is going to be doing the art with them. A um, bunch of different fancy covers by your Steve McNivens and types like that. But in conjunction with that, they're also going to be doing an omnibus of the official handbook of the Marvel Universe from back in the 80s. That's fantastic. That is a day one purchase. It's solicited to come out December 17th, just in time for Christmas. Right. I have pretty much all the DC's who's who in like single issue format, even the loose leaf ones that they did. Right. I had the trades uh, back in the day of the Marvel universe, which were just reprinting the single issues. But I looked through those so much that they fell apart. So I need a new version of the old uh, Marvel universe ones. So I'll probably be picking this up. If at con season, I don't go and make the individual issues my my like the thing I collect cheap at a con but I am a sucker for who's who's and those Marvel Universe indexes or whatever they're the best yes uh, when I was selling off a couple people's collections over the last few years I came across incomplete collection of this and mm-hmm. I tried to build my own and I, I failed at doing so but now the fact uh, that it's all together and it's going to be in an omnibus. I'm all here for it. I cannot wait. Right. Uh, again, like I said, this is the uh, thing I'm most excited. Uh, I would say about from the announcements from C2E2. Mm-hmm. I would agree. I mean, I'm always excited for a Jason Aaron book. So, mm-hmm. but you know. and it's and it's interesting that he's sticking with uh, folks from the you know, Thor side of things. So all hope is not lost that he'll be leaving Thor, at least those characters after war of the realms is over. Right. Yes. Yes. Uh, so that's all we got in news, uh, conventions this weekend. Uh, two biggies, I would say, uh, there's a lot of smaller, uh, conventions going on, but you know, insert the same remarks about websites that stink, that link to Facebook pages that are loaded <laughs> with spy and malware. Um, WonderCon is going on in Anaheim, and again, that's going to be your big creator comic book side things, uh, Greg Capullo, Donnie Cates, uh, Tom King, Joel Jones, Jim Lee, uh, Scott Snyder, Lee Weeks is going to be there, and then the guest of honor for the weekend is Sergio Aragonis 
of the uh the the, the Al Jaffe was the fold and Sergio Argonis was Gru and like the little cartoons that would be in the margins in Mad Magazine. Yes. Right. Uh but also going on his Planet Comic Con in uh Kansas City what? Kansas City, Kansas? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh you've got uh your folks from comic book side of things, Jason Aaron, Mark Bagley, Colin Vaughn. Supposed to have a big announcement of a new book there this weekend. Chris Claremont, Kevin Eastman, uh Doug Monkey, Jim Steranko. Oh, uh, Red Letter Media guest star, uh, Freddie Williams III, Scotty Young, Salty Keith is going to be there. Oh. Uh, Jimmy Palmiotti, Amanda Connor, and Frank Tier are going to be there. Ooh, sounds like fun. And then on the media guest side of things, uh, we've got Henry Winkler, William Shatner, Michael Rosenbaum, uh, Lori Petty, who I know you're a fan of. But yeah, she's Tank Girl. Ray Mysterio and maybe his giant son Dominic will be there with him as well. And he's not giant; he's a normal size, you know, mid twenties person. Just Ray Mysterio is tiny. Uh, Mick Foley is going to be there, and uh, Linda Blair is going to be there as well. Whoa! Now, I also want to say I was contacted over the weekend by one of our longtime loyal listeners, uh, David were. Church, informed me he's in that area. And he's actually one of the volunteer assistants at the convention this weekend. He told me too, yay! Right, uh, he is going to be uh, manning the photo op area, so he's not sure exactly who he's going to get a chance to hobnob with. But I did uh, tell him to put in the extra good word for to Miss Linda Blair for us. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, David, have a good time. And if you're in the Kansas area, you're listening to the show. And you're over the photo op area, you know, go say hi to a fellow listener of the show, make friends. I like seeing listeners of our shows come together as they are people who did not meet. And the thing that they have in common is this show. It is. Someday, hopefully, when I hit the lottery, we could have a big Long Box Heroes meet up at Long John Silver's. Long John's Box Heroes. <laughs> They they uh no sell our tweets to them, so I know, but Christmas time I'll mention them again. Oh well that'll be fish math season, of course right, we exactly. have to mention them. So all the links to the conventions this weekend, of course, will be in the show notes, uh, along with a uh, link to soon to be named network.com at soon to be named network.tumblr.com where anytime any of the shows in our conglomeration of folks and people and like minded individuals put up a show and I remember to put it up on the goes up there where you could find it all in one stop. Or if any of the people on those shows end up on other shows somewhere else and they remind me and I remember to put it up on the site, goes up on the site. Whether it be this show, uh, whether it be Longbox Heroes After Dark, with some spirited discussion about the classic TV show MASH, amongst many other things this week, uh, Podvocacy, uh, Wrestling on the Edge of Forever, Profane Arguments, Puzzle Warriors 3, the bi-monthly Fresher and Parland show, <laughs> and uh, I think that's it. Um, I know you don't listen to podcasts, but I want to mention this here. Uh, Jason on Wrestling on the Edge of Forever has a little bumper that he inserts in because he doesn't want to have to do this read every week. Uh, and in the read, he mentions how there used to be another show on the network about Star Trek, which was Prime Defective, right. and he says it was canceled. 
as though you and I had something to do about whether or not that show continued or not. Well, we do. We watch the ratings of every show on the network, Joe. And, and as the as the McMahon family of the soon to be named network, I call Vince. What I said? I call Vince. <laughs> I call Vince. All right, I'll be uh, I'll be uh, Stephanie, I guess. Um, <laughs> but. We decide who comes and goes and who stays. And, you know, when it came to Prime Defective, we wish them well in all their future endeavors. Oh, my goodness. Their future endeavors of ignoring my emails. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Anyway, uh, and of course, uh, the upstart sensation of the soon-to-be-named network, uh, At Odds with Wrestling, where we're going to have a lot of wrestling stuff to talk about because we are inching ever so close to the 17-match, 8-plus-hour juggernaut that is going to be WrestleMania 35 this year. And you and your co-host, Adam, are going to handcuff yourself to each other for all of those hours, right? Nope. That would be fantastic. Now that's a podcast. Nope. I'm going to be sitting on my new couch. Oh, you in, got a new couch. My, we got new couches a couple months ago, yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm going to be sitting on the new couch. I'm gonna put. I'm gonna cover my torso in wax paper, and I'm gonna put the <laughs> onion pizza on myself, and I'm just gonna eat the pizza off myself while I watch WrestleMania. You're gonna get a knock on the door, and I'm just gonna happen to be there with earplugs and blinders on, and I'm gonna be like, "Oh, like I just was in the neighborhood, Joe. Nom nom nom. Gotta go." <laughs> you know, you could just drive the three blocks to the right and get your own pizza. But it tastes better from your house. I guess. All right. So digital sales and freebies this week. <laughs> there's a ton. Uh, there's uh, Oni Press has two different sales going on. One that's just kind of like a generic spotlight sale. Another one that's specifically on their Rick and Morty stuff. And every time that I see Rick and Morty, in my head I want to say brick and mortar. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the way my mind works. Uh, Action Lab is having a line-wide sale, Archie's having a line-wide sale, and both Marvel and DC are having a bunch of sales. Uh, Marvel is having a Spider-Man sale, a Jonathan Hickman written stuff sale, and a Marvel Hidden Gems sale. And I'll say this, I did peruse this sale a bit. Uh, you've got the Tom King Vision series. Fantastic. Pay full price for that, but on sale, pick it up. Uh, Next mm -hmm. Wave, which Todd didn't like, but I love, by Warren Ellis and Stuart Eminem. Fantastic series. Pick it up. Uh, Ecstatic, when the uh, Peter Milligan, Mike Allred, X-Force got to, had to get changed to Ecstatic, that's included in this. The Jeff Lemire Moon Knight, that's included in this. The Paul Jenkins, Jay Lee and Humans, that's included in this. So it's a lot of really good books in that sale. So definitely check that out if you're looking to get something digitally and cheap sweet dc is also having two sales going on at the same time that seem a bit redundant to me but what <laughs> do i know one is the road to detective comics 1000 which ends today but the sale itself doesn't end until next week anyway the other sale that's going on is d is 80 years of batman and todd would you know what books in both sales what books, Joe? I have no idea. What could it be? You probably never mentioned them before. <laughs> Dark Knight Returns and mm -hmm. Batman Year One. Both of those books? Both of those books are in both of these separate sales. 
Oh, good. So does that mean you get extra sale? I don't know, Todd. And I say this, and I've said this before, those two, and pick eight other books. Just have them be ten evergreen books that are just like, new to DC Vertigo? Start here with these books that are forever just going to be this low introductory price. Right. It's not like they haven't made enough money on them already to pay off all their losses, you know? Right. And it's not as, like I could do the I could do the math on this one, but that's a, it. It would be a lot of work. But I could go through and count the days that those two books have been on sale, and I guarantee you that those two, if there's four weeks in a month, those two books are on sale three out of every four weeks of the month. So right. they're on sale more than they're not on sale. <laughs> so just fill in those extra weeks and just have them be perennial on sale books. You, they should put you in charge of the DC sales. Listen, you be in charge of the actual physical books. I'll be in charge of the digital sales and curating uh, the digital like collections and stuff, you know, like. When you mm-hmm. want to read all of the uh, Teasdale imperative from the Justice League run, you don't have to be <sighs> flipping around and figuring out where it goes and like, oh, these issues of Justice League Europe are not included because we haven't uploaded them to the site. No, 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 no. We're going to include everything in all these sales or in all these uh, collections and all these things, and we're going to point in the right direction and fix all this. Put me in charge of that. All I have to say is, Joe, mad props to dropping a Teasdale imperative reference. Woo, you have my respect, brother. That's one of my favorite names for a storyline. Hey, just those Justice League comics written by Salty Keith and Jam DeMattis are some <laughs> good comic books, eh? They were, they mm. were. Just don't mention it to Salty Keith. He's not a fan of those books Oh, anymore. goodness. I hear there's other people at DC that aren't fans of those books either, but that's for another day and another whatever. Mm. Right. Um, the new uh, freebies that Marvel has put up, it's all X-Men related, and it's all relatively new X-Men related. Uh, X-Men Battle of the Atom, which was like a, like a two-issue miniseries thing that was like some Bendis event that he did with the X-Men a couple years back. And then within recent, like I would say within the last two years, when they start pushing the X-Men again, uh, X-Men Blue number one, X-Men Gold number one, and X-Men Prime number one which are all relatively recent new number ones written respectively by Colin Bunn and Mark Guggenheim. Those are for free. And with the announcement of Hickman uh, coming onto the X universe over the summer and a lot of the other stuff that's going on in the X-Men universe uh, got handed to Marvel for pushing some of that stuff out there for free, you know, to try to get people to read some of the more recent stuff so that they're up to date with whatever Jonathan Hickman's going to do to those poor, poor X-Men. Is there, is the Colin Bunn uh, Magneto run in there? Uh, it's not one of the freebie books, but I know it's uh, it, you know it's up there digitally, and that's again one of the more underrated runs of a comic book of the last, I'd say, ten years. I agree, and I always thank you for uh, turning me on to that one because uh, you know I went through a period there where I was avoiding X books like uh, what the plague, the legacy virus. There you go. There, see, gotta, I see what you did there. Yeah, got to add more con- content into our references here, eh? Ah, okay. Worst reference ever. Let's get into what we read from this past <laughs> week, Todd. Uh, the book that both of us were most looking forward to coming out this week was Criminal Number 3, uh, written by uh, Ed Brubaker with art by Sean Phillips. And this was uh, part two 
of a two issue thing. And obviously, and even as part of his like little e newsletter that he sends out, mm-hmm. Brew Baker had to like deal with people who I guess were upset with the way that the arcs are going already three issues in. One issue, then two issues. Right. And he's like, hey guys, you know, you've read Criminal before, you know, kind of everything all ties together eventually, you know, kind of hang with us. <laughs> we know what we're doing. We've been in this dance before. Everybody calm I'll, down. I, I am not one of those guys, people, persons. <laughs> I, I understand because it, it, as a longtime reader, you don't see storylines usually that go, hey, we're going to do a one-shot story and an ongoing and then follow it up with a two-part story. Like, that's 1972 kind of like, kind of thing. We're living in six issue storylines and maybe a one, a one shot to, to bridge the gap to the next storyline. So it is weird, but I love that he's, I love the fact that Ed Brubaker's like, you know what? You, you know what I did? I did Winter Soldier. I did this. I did that. I, you know, look at his resume and go, I can write a comic in any order I want and you'll buy it. And, and I'm going to buy it, Joe. Right, so we're just to kind of fill this in, so he sends out, like, he has, like, a little weekly newsletter that he sends out, and mm-hmm. uh, in the weekly, it just says, from the desk of Ed Brubaker, and it says, I've been having a blast with the new run of Criminal so far, and I should tell you that that two of these first four issues may not get collected, or at least not for a long time. The only way you'll be able to read them is the single issues. Uh, as I've said before, we're trying to bring back value to single issues, etc., etc., with issue five, we're starting a longer story, but even that'll be different in some ways to what we've done before, uh, but you'll have to wait a few months to find out. Trust us. So then, literally, so that email goes out, and again, I just want to look at the time on this. So from the, from the desk email goes out at 3.56. Then a follow-up email goes out at 4.38. Less than an hour later. So I've received a bunch of emails from people who are very angry about what I said in the newsletter. So to be more clear, because it sounds like it's all from people who only buy trades and hardcovers, two of the first four issues of Criminals are standalone short stories. They're not being left out of the book. Uh, Hang on. They're not being left out of some book we're putting together to punish people who only buy trades and hardbacks. I would never do that. All I'm saying is I'm not sure how or when they will be collected yet because they're standalone stories, but they will be collected. Uh, Sean and I actually have a criminal book coming out in July, even though one's not solicited yet, but I can't get into the details of it yet. So rest assured, if you're worried that you're going to miss something, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if you want to read the stuff now, you know where to find it. If you want to wait, that's going to be up to you. I hope that clears things up or makes it more confusing. Listen, if you're going to trade weight, you're really going to trade Yeah. And, and that's the thing, like, you know, he puts those extra prose stories in there about different, you know, different inspirations for stories and, you know, guest writers doing things about some of their favorite, like, crime noir stuff. That stuff doesn't get put in the collections. And right. I, I get you that, you know, that's not part of the ongoing story, but... A lot of times, you know, you you get to see where some of the inspiration for some of the stuff comes from. Right. I don't know. I just thought it was funny that I get, like, the, the e-newsletter from Brubaker, and then, like, less than an hour later, it's like, just so we're clear. I bet you he got 
inundated. Oh my goodness, I can't inundated. even imagine. Ed Brubaker's not a guy who just has all the time in the world on his hands. Yeah, he's like, if he's like, let me let me nip this in the bud now. You oh. know, it wasn't just two emails. Yes. Uh, so again, this was the second part of the uh, storyline that takes place, uh, let's say, sometime in the nineties at a comic book convention. And, uh, you know, you have the old curmudgeonly creator who is looking to get back some of his old pages that he is under the impression that his daughter had and then sold off to a private collector. He goes and gets one of uh, his former assistants, Jacob's uh, more seedier past compatriots to go and retrieve those pages for him. All the while, Jacob is trying to wrangle him to make the appearance at the convention where they're going to honor him in some way at some dinner of some kind. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, of course, as with every book in Criminal, things don't go quite as planned. But, Todd, you you had some thoughts on this, eh? I love this book. Like, this is one of those, as we discussed when he did issue one with the wrestling, where he has some insight and knowledge to someone wrestled in Japan, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, this, him telling the stories, I want to know what's, this book made me want to read as, as Hal Crane was telling stories to Jacob about the industry and who Hal Crane could be. And he's a mishmash of people. There's a thing in the back of the book where Ed Brubaker talks about like, you know, the way he kinds of treats women. It reminds me of this creator and this person. And like, we've heard the stories and I want to tell all comic book, uh, you know, uh, documentary or what do you, what would you call it uh a book that's not a documentary my brain is froze up joe a tell-all book of co- the comic industry back yep. in the day i would totally love to see that because like as he's saying he's learned some stuff from going to conventions and it, it bleeds into this because he knows all that it feels very realistic i loved the story and all about it and what why how wants the art back where the art really is everything that's going on this this story is brilliant because once again the writer has an insight to comics that you know because of who he is I just loved it so so much I I don't know how much more I could I could say about it but it reminds me of like stuff of do you remember did you ever hear the story about Starenko and Bob Kane uh yes but tell the listeners okay basically uh Starenko apparently wrote a book and he was friends with Bill Finger and I forget who the other person was who get a lot of they say did a lot of the heavy lifting for bob kane on batman stuff and bob kane was not happy about it so they were at san diego comic-con and somebody was asking Sterenko if he had ever met bob kane he was like no well, he's over here and they went over and he would bob kane was with with a bunch of people and he was talking back and forth and he let Sterenko know that he didn't like uh what he had said in his book and he basically uh, gave him the business. And then as he was getting in the elevator, he said, uh, Jimmy boy, I'll see you later. And I guess apparently he slapped Starenko in the face and the elevator doors close. So he goes off. Well, I guess like Starenko went and found the next day, went and found uh, Bob Kane and a group full of people and ended up slapping him back and was like, let's go. Like, let's go. I'm not afraid. 
And it, that's pretty much a story everybody has said is true. And it makes me just think like this kind of stuff, all this, the skeezy stuff did happen. And there's stories about like certain rock star creators who created multi-million dollar properties having, you know, doing things with women in an elevator at a hotel and stuff like that. I don't know. This just makes me want to read those stories now. So, so good. Right. So just to kind of uh, put a cap on, it, it's kind of been more brought out, I'd say, within the last five years or so, of how much Bill Finger actually did for Batman and how not as much Bob Kane did. Right. Um, you know, one some would say that when the Bat craze hit in the 80s, that DC, whether consciously or subconsciously, attempted to push Bob Kane kind of out there as their Stan Lee, if you will. And then once there was this scrape of the surface that Bob Kane really didn't do as much for Batman, and then Bill Finger kind of died broken penniless, and over the last five or so years, more and more people have found more and more information, and Bill Finger has, in more recent years, gotten more of the credit, like his name put into the movies and into some books, of it not just saying Batman created by Bob Kane. It now says Batman created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger. Right. I think there was a Hulu documentary yes. that touches on a lot of that. And the reason Bob Kane got away with that stuff for so many years is apparently it was in his contract that, you know, that's the way it flew and DC was, you know, wasn't able to do it. I guess now that like, you know, Bob Kane has passed away and, and, and other stuff that the, I don't know how much the family was fighting it or whatever that Bill Finger's name went on everything, which I think is fantastic. But, you know, those are, like you said, some of the stories back in the day. Right, and I'm with you. I would love... I'm surprised that that book doesn't already exist. Or at least, like, that's something. And I can't remember the name of it, but Mike Judd has a show on, like, VH1 or something, mm -hmm. where it's half animation and half, like, vintage interviews and current interviews with all the wild and crazy stuff that happened in the 60s and 70s with country music. Right. And it's like, if you think, like, the 80s stuff of, like, the heavy metal scene was bad, like, it's got nothing on the 60s and 70s of the country music scene. So <laughs> it's, like, Mike Judge kind of curated all this stuff, and he's got all, like, the vintage interviews of all these things, and the people who did the research, and the people who did the books, and he kind of puts it together as an animated thing, and I wish... Uh, and that's the thing, I think it's because comics are probably too geared toward kids that they couldn't do that right now. I agree with you. And just on that whole country and Western thing, it, and it reminds me of a story about the time Johnny Cash got high and or drunk, started a forest fire and killed a whole bunch of, you know, on the endangered species list, Canadian, uh, California condors and like wiped out like, I want to say like a quarter to half of the species that were left and then went to the court and the judge was like, you know what you did. And he basically cussed the judge out saying he doesn't care about any quote unquote words. I can't use here. Birds. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So uh criminal was really good. Yes. Um, you know, heed the, heed the words of Ed Brubaker. Go pick up the single issues. You can buy, you can buy them digitally and you can probably get them on the, you know, 
these things go on sale digitally. I agree. I don't know. I just think I just thought it was funny that people contacted them all upset about it, you know? Well, that's the day and age we live in, instant, you know, reaction and you're able to do something about it. Yeah. Uh, so the other book that we're going to discuss is Thor number 11, written by Jason Aaron, with art by Lee Garbett. Uh, we are, just as we are on the road to WrestleMania, we are on the road to War of War of the Realms. Malekith is assembling his army, and uh, Thor Odinson, of course, is still... Um, what would the word you would say? I, I don't want to say distraught, but he's definitely downtrodden, because... He does not have anything to replace Molnir. Yes. He's distracted is kind of the word that I would use where the war is coming and his focus is elsewhere. He seems to have a good reason to, you know, because of Mjolnir to do what he's doing. But as in this book, his mother basically tells him like, hey, snap out of it. Not the hammer. You're more than that. And it's time to suck it up and, and go take care of things. And she ends up doing something that surprises Thor kind of surprised me. Cause I don't know if that's uh we've ever mentioned that before uh, about her doing something. He's like, you've done that in the past. She's like, yeah, we'll talk about it later. And he, he goes off and we get some news of the other players in it. We get like a uh, Volstag with what's going on with him. And we get some Jane Foster news and I was kind of like interested in that because I even may have said back in a while back that Jane Foster, you know, they had mentioned that she was the most tragic of the, the you know, the people who've ever w- wielded the hammer and stuff like that. And she went off to do what she did. And I'm like, that doesn't seem like, you know, the ending that Jason Heron had. And now she's coming back around and I'm starting to think, oh, we're going down a dark road for Jane Foster. Right, where we were led to believe that she was going to have some sort of finality to her story mm-hmm. a year ago. Right, which dealt with the cancer that she had. Right, and again, not as a spoiler, but in this issue, we find out that she's completely cancer-free. Right. So, part of the reason that she had to give up being Thor was because every time that she she was battling cancer, every time that she turned into Thor, she essentially had to start her treatments over again from square one. Right. So now that she is no longer, uh, she her cancer is in remission, technically she could be Thor again. And maybe she knows where Mjolnir is. Yes, well, we know where Mjolnir is. Well, maybe she can, could be the one to get it. That's what I'm saying, yes. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. I think it was, you know, we were all kind of led to believe that she was going to meet her fate uh, for better, but mostly for worse. She stuck around, and I think now War of the Realm, War of the Realms, is where we're going to see uh, her meet her true fate, if you will. Right. And Thor is a book that we've talked about for a very long time, and we actually used to talk about quite often. But while this current run has been good, it 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 just all of it has felt as though all putting the pieces into place for War of the Realms. And it hasn't been those, like, knockout, drag-out stories that we've gotten in the past with the Jason Aaron thing. It's mm-hmm. like he spent the last year just kind of putting all of his chess pieces in place, moving stuff around, you know, okay, this person's here now, and here's this person's new status quo, and here's these two people that are together now. Nothing real big is happening yet, but it's all building toward the really big thing that's happening, which is the War of the Realms. 
I agree. Um, and that's the only thing that kind of worried me about it was I do feel that Jason Aaron probably had the War of the Realms story more contained in his Thor books and maybe into the Avengers, which he was doing, was planning on, you know, taking over. But now that it's a country or country, uh, a line wide crossover mm-hmm. that I get nervous that the hands get in there and start doing things. You know what I mean? Well, so again, we have it written down here from when it was officially announced back in November <laughs> of that. It was going to be six issues over three months and it starts next week. And we haven't heard anything about extra issues we haven't heard anything about delays. We haven't heard anything about better endings. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we're about to be in the thick of things. Yep. We're going to get a God Wheel soon, whatever that is. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, so it just, this is, and, and for me, I, I get with what you're saying, of course, that it's uh, Marvel's track record of taking something that's supposed to be kind of a self-contained or maybe one or two character event and turning it into a line-wide event some, sometimes dilutes things. Mm-hmm. Um, it only dilutes things if you decide to get everything. But Joe, every story's important. They didn't the say story. that this time. They said that with Secret Empire, <laughs> and they lied. And I knew they, they were lying lie. from day one. They didn't lie. Every story was important to somebody. <laughs> Bean counters. <laughs> Disney right. is who it was important to. But I'm getting War, uh, War of the Realms, I'm getting Thor, I'm getting Avengers. I think I think I'll be okay by buying the three books written by Jason Aaron for the crossover event by Jason Aaron. That seems like a safe bet, but we'll see. Right. If I, I, I get some sort of a stooge report that says I've really got to read the two-issue Squirrel Girl crossover, you know, I might have to bite the bullet and pick up the Squirrel Girl two-issue War of the Realms crossover. I think that's the key to it all. I'd be okay with that. I like Squirrel Girl. She's kind of on a downturn, and this could be her way back up to the top, you know? When that the person who was in all those cell phone commercials plays her, that's when she's going to blow up again. The Can You Hear Me Now guy? It's, that's odd yeah, that, the, Yes, the Can You Hear Me Now guy is playing Squirrel Girl. I don't know. That's, the last, that's one of the last commercials I saw. So if you're – I don't know what you're talking about. Gotcha. I know Flo from Progressive. It's about it. Love Flo from Progressive. She's, she's, you know, that's all I'm going to say. I'm going to stop there before I get myself in trouble. Hey, I don't want to get in trouble, Todd. Mm-hmm. I might get in trouble for names that I said during the plugs of the conventions this weekend. So, oh, okay. Let's not do that anymore. So, uh, that's what we read this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, every Tuesday around 5.30 Eastern Time or so, we put up the poll post which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, however it is that you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out so that you're prepared and have enough money to bring home your giant haul of books. And also look at those prices sometimes too, because uh, you know there might be a special event book coming out that they decide to triple or even quadruple the price of. What uh, book could that be, Joe? Well, uh we are attempting, as we always do every year, attempting to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this this week. Uh, I am behind by one, and uh, I don't know. I'm not feeling confident this week on either end uh, as we talk about things. I think the book that you're most looking forward to coming out this week might be Detective Comics number 1000. It is Detective Comics 1000. Booyah. So I'm looking over punch, your... Punch. <laughs> 
So looking over your list, and I noticed that you don't have Detective Comics 1000. That's correct. Mm, and you bought Action 1000. But hmm. uh, Okay, so uh, I bought Action 1000 because that was the official beginning of the Bendis era on Superman. Okay. That makes I'm, sense. I'm not buying Detective Comics because I don't know where it fits into the greater Tom King Batman stuff. I think he has a story in there, but it's not the main story that's in there. It's not. And you remember that story? You were wondering why that he that his parents were, you know, they had the fake uh, death, the, the fake bodies that looked like Bruce Wayne's parents. And there was a whole story going on. And he was friends with uh, Commissioner Gordon at the time. And you didn't understand it all. Yes. Um, it was taking place in a virtual reality world. Oh, so, so it was essentially Batman meets Lawnmower Man. Yes, pretty much. Mm-hmm. I'll explain it to you sometime, but that's why everything was out of sorts. But I'm looking over your list, and is the book you're looking forward to most Dial H for Hero, number one? It is. It is. Sweet. Uh, I've been enjoying the Wonder Comics stuff. Um, I think uh, Sam Humphreys does some good comics. I enjoyed some of the stuff that he did. Uh, over at Marvel, the Star-Lord book, amongst others. And, uh, yeah, the Wonder Comics stuff has been good. And I, I'm always a sucker for whenever they... Like, this is one of those, like, concepts that I'll always give it a try. And the fact that it's part of the Wonder Comics thing helps it, you know? That's... that's Dial H for a Hero is your Suicide Squad for me. There you go. So when the for Hero movie comes out in 20 years, I could be that hipster and say... Uh, I liked it before everyone else. There you go. Dial H for hipster. Wow. <laughs> That's not the title of this week's show. That's what I want the title of the show to be. All right. But we'll see. We'll discuss after it's over. I may say something even stupider. I'm writing it down now. <laughs> I'm writing over fifth milk, just so you know. <laughs> I know. Um... If you listen to Ad Oz at Wrestling last week, I, I make a proclamation regarding me and hipsterism. So, Oh, yes. You know what? I missed that episode. Oh, you did? I can't repeat any of it here. Okay. Um, so while you're at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that exists over there, uh, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of After Dark, the 2017 Smash Sensation, Todd and Joe Have Issues, uh, and also, of course, you can support the show by clicking on a little store button there. Uh, purchase yourself a shirt, a sticker, a pin with our fancy logo on them. If you want even um, more fancy logos on slightly less quality shirts, and that's up to you, you can go down to the bottom of that page. Uh, we are working on getting a better way to get those shirts to you on a better quality and a better price. Uh, but if I have to drive over somewhere and jump to get it, I will. That is true. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a more immediate way that you can help out the show, of course, is by uh, our Amazon click-through at the top of the page, Longbox Heroes. I don't know, bookmark it. Put it as a bookmark to other people's computers. Do whatever you got to do. Uh, whatever you purchase through there, uh, adding it to your cart. It can't be already something in your cart, you know, whatever. Uh, it gives us a little bit of a kickback from Amazon. They call it an advertising fee. I call it a way to make Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week were uh, someone, Jason Kirk, purchased Venom number 12, which has been really, really good lately. 
Uh, somebody also purchased a pack of Gildan Big and Tall Men's Crew Socks. Uh, somebody purchased two Star Wars, uh, or Star Wars, two Lego kits, a Star Wars Jedi and Clone Troopers battle pack of Lego somethings, and a Lego Creator 3-in-1 Deep Sea Creatures building kit. Uh, somebody also purchased two packs of ten, uh, World Wrestling Entertainment Mighty Mini, uh, action figures that you could use as party favors. I don't know if Todd, uh, you may have seen these before where, um, they have like the DC Universe characters and the Marvel characters where they're like kind of like smaller. They're maybe like three inch figures with very limited articulation. They're kind of like cartoony looking. They have Marvel ones, DC ones. Um, I think so, yeah. Yeah, you've probably seen them before. My kid used to play with them when he was younger, but these are World Wrestling Entertainment character ones. Ooh, I'll take two. And if my, oh, somebody did take two packs, a ser- uh, pack of Series 1 and a pack of Series 2, but um, if my kid was still playing with those, I would get these, so he would have the superheroes, and I would have the, the World Wrestling Entertainers. Mm. But thank you, everyone, who purchased any and all things through the Amazon click-through this past week. Uh, every little bit matters, uh, and it really does. Some stuff yields more return, and uh, I don't know. Start purchasing larger things like refrigerators or quarries, you know? Apparently you could, <laughs> right. Apparently you could buy those on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? Yes, we did. From Jesse DeYoung, um, we had in his book of things to draw with, they give you little uh, ideas. It was a spoon. So he decided to draw the tick holding a spoon because his catch uh, phrase is uh, – uh, is spoon. So I like that. That's fantastic. I wish I read more tick back in the day, but I did not. And also from T-Bolt 712, the guy who you're going to rob someday, Joe. That's right. He said, did you know it was Hellboy Day when he sent this? To celebrate, here's a quick doodle from Hellboy's creator, Mike Mignola, Art of Mignola, in his sketchbook. And he got a quick little doodle of, of Hellboy, and it's very nice. There's no dead tree behind it, though. Oh, boy. So how do you know it's even Hellboy? Exactly. I think it's a counterfeit. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, thanks, everyone. Uh, But I guess this past Saturday was Hellboy's, like, 25th anniversary or something? Yeah, something like that. Mm -hmm. He's got a movie coming out. And uh, I wonder if our good buddy DJ went over to our local comic shop and got any of that free Hellboy swag that they were giving away. Whatever. They were. I don't know. I know. He was posting up a lot of uh, Hellboy-related stuff, collections, toys, statues, and all sorts of stuff. Yes. He's our Hellboy boy. Yes. he's our. Uh, I'd say he's our Hellboy man. That is true. So thanks to everyone who uh, contributed to Art Attack this week. Uh, I think the last bit of business we have is just to talk about The Flash from this past week, right? That is true. Uh, but before we do get into last week's episode of The Flash, uh, it's the moment we have been waiting for, for the better part <laughs> of the last, I would say, four to five months, as Legends of Tomorrow returns this upcoming Monday. Uh, so with those coming out on Monday and us recording this show Tuesday evenings, as I'm breaking the kayfabe from earlier in the episode right here, uh, we will be as, you know, we're going to be reviewing like those episodes of Legends of Tomorrow. So we're always going to week behind on The Flash because it airs as we record. Uh, but Legends of Tomorrow will have a full 24 hours in between its airing and us recording. So we will always be on top of Legends of Tomorrow. 
And did you happen to see the little teaser that I tweeted? Did you watch or were you like, not even that? Well, here's the thing. I saw the little teaser, but as we were recording, they put up like a, now I don't know, was the teaser you put up just like, uh, like less than a minute or was like a full two minute deal? It was 10 seconds. Okay. Because the full two minute version of it is up on DC's website right now. Mm-hmm. Did and you watch that? I did not watch it because it was in between recording the other show and this show. So as soon as ah, you and gotcha. I are done, I'm editing the two shows, and then I'm going to watch the DC Legends of Tomorrow full trailer to hype myself it, up that, because the little screen cap for it is the Hall of Justice. Right. Now, that was out when I – that was actually out, too, when I tweeted out that little teaser, too, because that teaser was on the Legends of Tomorrow uh, Twitter page. Twitter feed, and it was like, hey, if you really like this, go over to our YouTube feed, and we have the full two-minute trailer. So that was out for a while. Right. It's just up on DC's actual YouTube site now. So There you go. They I were trying to push all that. I didn't know there was a separate Legends of Tomorrow specific YouTube page. Right. I will say, though, because I did sit down and watch it, that I may say you might not want to watch it because it gives away like whole scenes from the next couple episodes. Oh, okay. So maybe I shouldn't watch it. Right. The thing that I I posted, which was like the 10 seconds or whatever, is in the big trailer, but I don't know if it's going to be in the episode because it seems like something they filmed separately. But with the wackiness of Legends of Tomorrow, I never know. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like it, It's like, oh, this doesn't make any sense. They're breaking the fourth wall, and I'm like... No, this could be in the regular episode of Legends of Tomorrow. So let me, I'm going to go to their official YouTube page now to subscribe to it, you know? Right. Oh, no, it's it's like the CW's thing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I get you. I'm with you. I'm good sticking with DC's deal. I got you. All right, so anywho, more importantly, Flash from this past week. So we learned the big surprise, of course, that um, big dopey guy from American Pie, uh, (laughs) fake Cicada, uh, the niece is real Cicada, uh, Grace, and she's from a different timeline. She has come back to uh, save her uncle, and continue the job that he was too weak to do, which was kill all in, or I was going to say kill all humans. No, that's Bender. Because <laughs> she would then secretly whisper under her voice, except Fry. Um, but now she's here, and of course, specifically, she's starting with the secret meta uh, who killed her parents and kind of started this whole chain of events. Right. While this is going on, there's stuff with Cisco and his relationship that. Um, Ralph was trying to bring her in to the group and mm-hmm. Cisco was happy having someone who is not part of the group. And, uh, Sherlock Wells is getting closer and closer to Nora West's secret. And when right. we know who won the pony, he figures it out and stooges it off to everyone at the end of the episode. And we'll kind of work our way backwards from here. So we're going to start with the Stooging It Off part? No, we'll uh, we'll start with the main story, which is uh, Girl Cicada coming to kill the mom who killed her parents accidentally. Right. And uh, don't forget about Fake Cicada, where he where he's... I don't know if it was because he was getting better, because he no longer had 
the gash in his chest. Right, no more dark matter. Oh, I'm sorry, dent in his chest. But uh How dare he, you? <laughs> but he uh did you notice how his voice was slipping in and out of the gravelly voiced uh Yes. So I don't know if he was getting better or he forgot he was supposed to be doing the gravelly voice. But uh, so there was that and he ends up realizing that the hate, you know, the hate that he had makes his niece become hateful and he was trying to to actually change it and she ends up offing him so we won't be seeing you know the fake cicada anymore so i i actually thought that was kind of like a sad moment but if he had been a good actor it probably would have hit more so that's my take on the the fake cicada's death well i'll say this um with these time travel shows no one's ever dead for real what Crisis on Infinite Earth is going to bring him back as the real Cicada? So we got that to look forward to. Yes, I can't wait. Mm-hmm. But that and also, what member of the group wasn't in this episode? Because it's, uh, well, there's always... Okay, so Caitlin wasn't in it for the first half of the episode. But okay. then she shows up, because they actually, Cisco even mentions, like, she's off doing something. And her, remember her, her father had a secret lab at like in a frozen tundra somewhere. Right, and right. that's where everybody seems to go when they can't afford to have them in the episode. But then they're all together at the end, of course, for the big moment with the reveal with Nora and her secret and everything. And then I'm trying to watch. I'm like Zapruder filming it to <laughs> see if Ralph and Caitlin actually show up in the same shots together. And they right. do. Oh my goodness! So they blew the budget for this episode. Well, only for the half of the episode. So mm-hmm. one could only imagine that this was a maybe it was filmed as part of next week's episode, and they told everyone that it was going to be the beginning of next week's episode, and they used it at the end of this week's episode, so they didn't have to pay them for all being in the same shots together. I don't know what I it don't, was. You don't want to tick off the union, man. They'll come get you. Right. Uh, so Grace Cicada. Um, you know, with whatever power she has. And I guess from when Nora was inside of her mind, they have a connection. So Nora can sense whenever she's going to be near. Right. And they try to vibe where the accident happened. They'd replaced out the ATM, but there's still the scorch marks. And luckily when Cisco vibes it and we go back to two years ago or whenever it was that it happens, the, the woman, uh, Vicky, whatever her name was, she's wearing the same same pink hoodie then that she is now in the current time so they could really match it up when they go to find her at the party. She loves that hoodie. Well, Joe, let me just tell you something. If you vibed something from me two years ago, <laughs> what kind of shirt would I be wearing? Oh, it would be a black short sleeve shirt with a pocket to put your stuff in. Exactly. You got to admit, I got you there. Right. Touche. So Cicada shows up. Uh, They think they're going to get the jump on her. And of course they don't. But then we get the whole thing of that. The mom was keeping her powers a secret from her family. She attempts to use her powers. Her powers end up hurting her family. So now we get that. And it's terrible. So Barry could secretly lecture Nora about how bad it is to keep secrets. And it's almost like Nora has a secret or something. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, anyway, uh, Sherlock Wells figures it out, and he ends up, uh, you know, ratting her out. And actually, like, you know, for as much as we 
you know, tweak the show sometimes, you know, uh, the, the fake cicada we didn't like, the actor. When it all goes south and Barry ends up putting Nora in the, the, the power dampening cell, it's really sad. Like, I actually felt, I was like, oh, man, that kind of sucks, like, that Barry had to do that. So I really like the ending of it going sideways that we that Barry finds out that she's working with Eobard. But that being said, once again, it's a season of a speedster gets close to the to the Flash team and kind of betrays them, which is like four out of five seasons is what they do. So I don't know. Now, I thought, and I honestly did, I thought the way that they were going when Sherlock is trying to figure things out and piece things together and like, okay, you know, I'm from a different dimension, but I'm also these other people. I thought this was going to be like, that was um, Eobard's plan. That right. Eobard's plan was because essentially he and Sherlock are the same person, just from different timelines, that the trick was to send Nora there with the secret to get a different version of himself to figure the secret out, something else, and that's how Eobard takes over Sherlock. But you're forgetting one thing. Right, well, that's the question mark. Right, but Eobard and Sherlock are not the same person. But they have the sh- but you know what I mean? Like, they have the same face, if you will. And But sh- the only reason Eobard has his face is because he absorbed it from the Eo- from the wells that was on Earth-1. Eobard I, looks... Do you know what I'm trying to say? I do. I thought you were going to say it because the, the actual actor that they had for Eobard stunk in comparison. <laughs> no. I, okay. Okay. I actually... I actually really like the Eobard actor that they have who played him who ended up turning his face into the into the Wells version. I like him because he's way more intense at times. Like he has like the hatred for him. And Wells, the uh the guy who plays Wells actually like tamed it back and like he has a he has a more softer evil side from like being patient for all those years if that makes any sense like he had a he had to bury what the eobard was so he could you know take that role over and there's a difference between the two of them but i really like that really angry eobard that 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 other actor portrays he if was that okay makes any sense he was okay no they're just as, he's just as good nope Yep. There is nobody on the Flash that's as good as Tom Cavanaugh as an actor. Well, this Eobard is a special guest star, so oh. it's he's not on the Flash. He's an occasional guest star. Mm-hmm. So it works. So uh, Sherlock figures it out. He sits in one of Wells' old chairs. He finds the secret compartment. He goes into the secret CGI room where Gideon is. He gives the little thing to her. It's a bunch of notes. He does the handwriting comparison between that and Nora's notes. And figures out that Eobard is the one who is working with Nora, essentially sending her on this task to do whatever it is, as you had mentioned. And, like, he does the classic Sherlock Holmes reveal. You know, everyone's in the room, and he's kind of explaining it while the guilty party is there sweating it out. You know, I thought that was a really neat thing. Right. It it was the butler all along. It was the daughter all along. Oh, my goodness. But, uh, you know, we're, we're near enough to the end of the season for Flash. So, you know, things eating up. And I thought this was a good episode. I did, too. And, again, I don't care about Cisco and his girlfriend, whatever. You you know. 
that was the weakest part because even with uh, Ralph trying to push to her, I was like, I don't care. Right. And maybe, maybe you shouldn't reveal the identities to the girl we know to, like a month. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, if this turns out to be a long-standing relationship, then you give all the secret identities away. But also, that was the thing that I thought was because while or Barry showed fake Cicada his real identity, he had to die. That's the one thing. If you if if Barry shows his face to anybody, they end up dead. Or if they find out his secret, they for the most part they end up dead. Snark. All the people uh, from the prison with uh, Warden Wolf last year when he was in jail and they were all like, I'm Barry Allen, I'm the Flash. They all got whacked. If you find out Barry's secret, boom, you're dead. Which is a thing I hate. He should kind of keep that a little bit closer to the vest, you know? Yes, or at least his lightning bolt on his chest. Right, exactly. Uh, So I guess, is there anything else? No, that's it. I think that was everything that we covered all the news that's fit to record in comics right now. Right. For now. For now. Until by the time this episode goes up and I go to work and then they (laughs) delay Doomsday Clock again. I'll let you know. I'll put it. I'll put the word into the system. Right. Have us put it in. I'll have him put us in like a group text so we can know instantly. Right. Oh, I, 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 you know what? I don't think I need to be be in a group text to know that book's not coming out on time. I'm pretty sure that that was the last time they're going to push it back. Okay. I look forward to next week when you say, ah, I might have said that that could happen maybe on an alternate Earth. I want somebody to go find that tape where I said 11 and 12 were already done. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't have time for that. I have to edit this show. That's right. And another show. And another show. That one's easier than this one, but anyway. All right, everyone. I thank you very much for listening to uh, episode 443 of Long Bucks Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying thanks for listening, and we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Boo!